0: heard it before but basically uh, before I go into it who here was a mischievous child or you've raised mischievous children just Tyler just walked through the door as, as, uh, as that was happening just give me a raise hand raise if you was a bit mischievous or you had mischievous children give me a wave give, give wave 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 so I know I'm speaking to somebody today okay you're going to sympathize greatly with this couple because there was a couple who had two little boys aged 8 and 10. But they weren't just mischievous, they were excessively mischievous. And these two boys were always getting into trouble and their parents could be assured that if there was any mischief or trouble that occurred in the town, their two young boys were in some way involved. So the parents were at their wits end about what to do with their son's behavior. The mother had heard that there was a pastor in town who had been successful in disciplining children in the past. So she asked her husband if she thought it would be a good idea to send the boys to speak with the pastor. The husband said, what a great idea. We might as well because I'm going to end up losing my temper and I don't want to do that. So the clergyman, they spoke to the clergyman and uh, the pastor agreed to speak with the boys. But he asked to see them individually. So the eight-year-old went to meet him first. The pastor sat the boy down and asked him sternly, where is God? And the boy made no response. So the pastor repeated the question in an even sterner tone, where is God? Again, the boy made no attempt to answer. So the pastor really raised his voice even more and shook his finger in the boy's face. Where is God? At that, the boy bolted from the room, ran directly home, slammed himself in his bedroom, and his older brother followed him into the bedroom and asked, what had happened? The younger boy replied, we are in big trouble this time. God is missing, and they think we did it. (laughs) Those little boys always in trouble. It's had nothing to do with the message, but I just feel prompted to say you might be here today. and You might feel that God is shaking his fist at you because you seem to be always in trouble. There's a a mistruth there. There's a truth that you're always in trouble. There's a mistruth that God's shaking his fist at you because he isn't. He doesn't shake his fist at you. In fact, it's something to do with his hand. His hands are outstretched to you today. And at the end of this time that we're together you'll get an opportunity to receive the grace of love that Jesus offers to us. I'm so glad that in this church, we are very diligent about laying in the Word and working through series. And You've heard us talk about that. Over many, many years now, we, we are very diligent and thoughtful and prayerful about what kind of series we need to be rolling out. And today, we're going to be starting a new series that's going to run for a few weeks because we have Father's Day in the mix. And uh, we've got a great event lined up, actually a great morning lined up with regards to Father's Day. More on that to come. But we're going to be launching today our our series called The Blessed Life. And uh, today, we're going to be talking about it's all about the heart. But before we get into the actual teaching material... I was just reflecting again and meditating on these verses, and I'm going to put them on the screen. They're found in Ephesians, if you're taking notes, in chapter 4, and verse 11 to 15, because there's a purpose why I, I, I in particular, I'm keen to lay this series and this message into your life. But before we do that, let me just try to help you to understand something, because it says there, in Ephesians 4, verse 11, so Christ, it talks about Christ giving gifts to the church, He talks about the gifts that he's given. They're called apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. So there's gifts that God has given to the church, men and women, that God has specifically anointed and called and equipped to be in the church. And he gives them titles, and they all have different functions. And we're not not about to go into that. But if you have an interest, we can talk to you more about that. But this was the point that I was really meditating on. Why have we been given these gifts? Why has God anointed people, and this is what it says, to equip. Everybody say equip. To, his, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature. So the reason why these gifts have been given to the church, and I'm not about to unpack this now, is that the, the purpose is that the church will be built up, we will have greater unity amongst us, and we will grow up. Nudge your neighbor and say, I think he's telling us to grow up. So we may be built up and we will grow up. I say all that because this particular series about the blessed life comes out of a particular passion of ours and it's this, that we want everybody in the church not only to grow and We've already mentioned growth track, and that is taking people from one step into another. And as Phil's already, already adequately said, if you'd like to be on that or no more, just book in. come, come this straight after church, there'll be a meal, and come and join us. We want to help people to grow up, but we also want to help people to live well. Psalm 90 verse 12, in the contemporary, very contemporary version of the Bible, says this, teach us Oh, teachers, how to live wisely and well. Does anybody here want to know how to live wisely and well? Just give me a raise of the hand. I don't believe there's anybody in this room who doesn't want to know how to live wisely and to live well. We want to help people to know how to live well. We want to know how to help people and quit people and build people up to know how to live with the blessing on their lives. Now let me be clear. This blessing, what I'm talking about, is not that you're going to have pots of money and that now you're going to dance into, skip into the, you know, sunset, happy ever after. You know, kind of. I'm sorry, the Christian life isn't like that. It really isn't. What I do know is, as we move forward, even in the midst of storms that we sung about, we can have a peace in our hearts that doesn't make sense. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And we have a confidence that we don't go alone, but God goes with us. And actually, there is blessing that does flow on our lives. And we want to help you to know how to access that kind of blessed life. So before we launch into it, I want to just read what I believe are significant verses in this. And I wonder if you're turning your Bibles to Numbers in chapter 6 and verse 24. It's going to come on the screen in a moment. This is what it says. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. And keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face towards you. And give you. His peace, those four words, the Lord bless you. The Lord wants us to understand and access how we can live this blessed life. God wants you to be blessed. This is the last time I'm going to ask you to do it, but I do want you to just tap the shoulder, neighbor, or nudge them and says, the Lord wants to bless you. The Lord wants to bless you, but hear me loud and clear this morning, it's all about the heart. And this morning, I easily, it wasn't that I had was so, such a busy week and, you know, that I didn't have time to prepare, I had nothing to do, that I had a great day of preparation on the Wednesday. But this series comes out of a book that we read, that many of us read around the staff. We did some teaching on it in our, in our staff called The Blessed Life. You've seen a clip of it before in the church. that won't be new to some of you, although many of you are fairly new here. So then that's a good thing. But as we, as we go into this series, what I'm going to do in this particular morning is I'm going to hand over the majority of the time to the man who wrote the book by the name of Pastor Robert Morris. He leads a great church in Texas called Gateway. He is one of the good guys. And you'll see for yourself he's one of the good guys. And as I went through the material and I knew the book and I I knew the Bible verses Deuteronomy 15, I'd been through it all, I remembered it very, very well, I just said to myself, the guys just need to see the video. I don't need to just teach his notes. On this particular one, next week when I share, I will be talking, it will be me, you'll be preaching. You may say, oh, I'm glad to know, oh, oh yeah, excited to no, know, I don't know. <laughs> but this morning, you're going to have a little bit of a break, and all the way from Texas, uh, we're going to have Pastor Robert Morris, and he's going to talk to us about, it's all about the heart, and then straight after, I'm going to ask the musicians to come straight up, because there's a very, very strong appeal And and, and I want to just lead us through in that this morning. So I want you to participate as though all the things he's asking the congregation to do, I want you to do. Is that okay? So there might be some participation for you entering. It's on the screens. Let's run the video. Thank you.
1: So look here at Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, I just want to ask you a simple question. Uh, Is the word money anywhere in those two verses? No. And and the context is judging. Don't judge or you'll be judged. Okay? Now, I want us to commit to short-term memory, the first phrase and the last phrase. And I'd like you to just say it after me. Judge not and you will not be judged. judged. Great. This is all the campuses and all the churches by simulcast, all right? And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Say that. Now flip over to Luke 6, okay? Now let's say them one more time. Judge not and you will not be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, look at the first sentence of verse 37, Luke 6, 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. No, you don't have to say it. I'm sorry. Then thank you. Thank you, though. Okay. Uh, And then look at the last sentence of verse 38. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, I want you to understand this is the parallel passage, but I want to show you a verse in the middle that in my opinion. Many times the context is not understood. Okay, so Luke 6, 37 and 38. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now look at verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom, for with the same measure you use will be measured back to you now let me just make a statement and this might shock you the word money does not appear in those verses and yet most of the time when we hear Luke six thirty-eight, we think about money as a matter of fact when we think about the word give we think money I was being interviewed by a magazine a while back and they, they said how often do you preach on giving and I said every week They said, You preach on giving every week? And I said, Yes. I think what you meant to ask me was, How often do I preach on giving money? And that's about every three years. Every three years, I do a series on stewardship and generosity. But you didn't ask me how often to preach on giving money. You asked me how often to preach on giving. I can't preach on grace and not talk about giving because God so loved the world, He I can't preach on marriage and not preach on giving because a marriage will not work if you're not givers, if both people aren't givers. And again, not finances, not giving. You understand what I'm saying? This, This applies to every area of our life. That's what we have to understand. Giving is about the heart. Here's the title of the message. I should have given it to you earlier, but the title is, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Some people say, well, You know, they're after my money. Let me explain something to you. Yes, God is after your, not the church. God is after your money because he's after your heart. And your heart is connected to your wallet. I I guarantee you, I've seen it. There's a string from your heart to your wallet. Because I have watched people when they start to reach back, oh, it just, (laughs) it hurts. If God can get your wallet, listen to me, he can get your heart. And I'm not the one that said it. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows your treasure. You put your treasure in a stock, you put some money in a stock, you'll start going on the internet checking to see how that stock's doing. And you never checked it before. And you never cared about it before. But you care about it now because your treasure's there. Are you following me? You want your treasure in the kingdom? You, put, you want your heart in the kingdom, you put your treasure in the kingdom. Okay, so it's a hard issue. Because he's talking in these verses about judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. Don't judge, or you'll be judged. Don't condemn, or you'll be condemned. Don't, and then he says forgive, and you'll be forgiven. And then he says give. Okay, what's he saying though? Give judgment, and judgment will be given back to you. And here's the part I don't hear a lot of preaching on. Good measure. Press down, shaking together, and running over, will men give judgment back to you. For with the same measure you give judgment, you'll get judgment back. That's the context of these verses. Judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. Now, you can apply it to other areas because of the laws of sowing and reaping. If you give a seed, you don't just get back one seed. You get back a, a tree or a plant with many seeds. And that's the way God is. So whatever you give, you're going to get more back. So it would be better to give good things than bad things because you're going to get more of it back, whatever it is. I was counseling with a lady one time, and she was a single mother, and she didn't have anywhere to leave her kids. And so she brought her kids, and we just let them. I said, please come anyway. And she just left them with the, the, uh, my assistant. We left the door open there, and uh, I was talking to her. And here's literally this, what she said. She said, my, my kids yell at me. She said, they yell at me. I, I don't know why. And then she did this. Y'all stop talking out there. <laughs> I don't know why they yell at me. <laughs> I said, Luke six thirty-eight. give yelling and yelling will be given back to you. Good measure. Preston. Okay. All right. Now, if you can flip Deuteronomy 15, how, how are you going to develop a heart of generosity? Well, way back, Deuteronomy 15, God tells us what we need to do, four things we need to do, because it's all about the heart, all right? So, Deuteronomy 15, look at verses 7 and 8. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren, within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, notice God's giving you the land, by the way, notice the word giving, you shall not harden your heart, it's about your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly, that would be about your heart, lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Okay, so there are four things that we need to do if we're gonna become generous givers. Here's number one, deal with a selfish heart. Deal with a selfish heart. Look at verse nine, Deuteronomy 15, verse nine. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Notice heart again. Saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand and your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you and it become sin among you. Notice selfishness is wickedness in God's eyes and it becomes sin. Now here's what he's saying. He's saying, um, now when your brother comes and asks to, to borrow from you, Uh, you, you, you open your hand and willingly lend to him. You, you, you open your heart to him, but don't let there be this wicked or selfish thought in you that says, man, this is the, the year of Jubilee. That means all debts will be canceled. In other words, if he came and said, Hey, I need to borrow some money. My crops were bad this year. And, and you thought, you know what? Six more months is the year of Jubilee. If he can't pay me back in six months, then, then uh, I have to cancel this debt. See, God implemented an economic system where all debts were canceled every seven years. How many of you would like to re-implement that economic <laughs> system? Okay. So if you thought, you know, I'm not going to do this because he might not be able to pay me back. You know what God said? Don't do that. Don't think that way. And here's what he called it. He calls selfishness, wickedness. He's dealing, he's telling the people of Israel, this, I don't want you to do this. I want you to be generous like I'm generous. Yeah, let me ask you a question. I asked a Bible college class this one time. Um, Why did God create giving? You ever thought about that? Because God did. It's, it's, It's all through God's Word. So why did God invent or create giving? And the overwhelming answer was to support his work. And I said to them, and I want you to think about this. I said to these these college students, I said, do you really think? I want you to think about this. Because it's funny to me. Do you really think that God needs your money to support his work? I mean, it, uh, you know, uh, it is... The light bill, you know, in heaven, uh, you know, too big for God. They're running out of gold for the streets. I mean, cattle on a thousand hill, he's running out of cow. I mean, you know what? God needs you. No, listen, God did not create giving for his sake. He created giving for your sake. Giving more than any other activity that a believer does work selfishness and greed out of our lives this is why i don't like much of the preaching i hear on giving because it's give to get Giving you'll get giving you'll get and let me tell you what that does it actually works selfishness and greed back in your life and what do you how do you think god feels when 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 a preacher preaches giving you'll get giving you'll get and people say well i want to get so i'm going to give I wonder if God is thinking, well, this is great. All of my people are catching the revelation of getting. I do want to say um, it drives selfishness out of our lives. We have to deal with a selfish heart. I do want to just say, just for a moment, ladies, that there's an area of selfishness that men never grow out of. (laughs) I just want you to know, okay? We do not want to share our food. And for some reason, you want our food. And I don't, I don't understand it. And we do not want to share our food. The very first time, Pastor Tom and Jan Lane sitting on the front row, Jan said, I knew you were going to say this, sitting right there. The very first time I went to dinner with them, I, we were going around the table ordering. I ordered and Jan said, oh good, I've been wanting to try that. I, I never even met the woman and she wanted to eat off my plate. And I said, well, you better order some because that's the only way you're going to get in. Think about it. Come on. What does every woman say when you're at the drive-thru? What does every woman say? You say, well, would you like something? No, I just have some of yours. No, you won't. I'll buy you two orders of fries, but you're not getting any of my fries. And the fries that fall in the bottom of the bag are mine too. So point number one is deal with a selfish heart. I don't know if that's directed just to the men or to all of us, all right? Here's number two. Deal with a grieving heart. Grieving heart. Now, he's talking about money. He's talking about giving. Verse 10, you shall surely give to him, give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing, watch, for this thing, giving with the right heart, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works. That's amazing. And in all to which you put your hand. If you learn to give from the heart with the right heart, God will bless you in everything you do. That's what he just said. See, we, under, we need to understand this is a heart issue. But selfishness attacks us before we give. And grief attacks us after we give. You ever given uh, a large amount or made a commitment and then something breaks? And the enemy comes immediately and says, see, you shouldn't have done that. He comes in. And then and grief, because we, we gave. And you know, I'm sitting here. Here I am preaching this message. And I had this thought just go through my mind. And after 30 years of preaching, I ought to know to just let the thought go on by. But here's the thought I had. I just thought to myself, I, I'm going out to eat after the service and, and I don't, I don't have any cash. I just had that thought just go through my mind. You know, I'm just oh, Wow! a wow, hundred dollars. Okay. I'm going to start saying those thoughts more often. Um, Okay, no, let's, let's talk about that for a minute, all right? Why, when I said, I, I don't have any cash, why did David get up that fast and give it to me? let me tell you why. Because I gave it to him before the service. <laughs> it's my $100. <laughs> okay, now, he's not grieving that he gave. You're not grieving. Oh, you are, a little? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not grieving because, Why? Because it was mine. See, see the reason that we grieve after we give is because we thought it was ours. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So when we give back to God what is already his, then we don't grieve over it. So, deal with the grieving heart. Here's number three. Develop a generous heart. Develop a generous heart. Look at verse 14. You shall supply him liberally, generously from your flock. Watch, from your threshing floor and from your wine press. Now, watch this. From what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. God wants us to be Generous. We were born selfish. We are born again generous. We just have to renew our minds. You think about it. You really want to be generous. Now, we we read Luke 6 a moment ago. If we were to go back and read the context again and back up a little more, and we're not going to do that right now, but you can do that. You go back to around verse 30. Here's what it says. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes your coat, give him this too. And it's just the whole context is lend to people even hoping not to receive anything in return. What he's doing is dealing with the heart. It's the, it's the first thing we have to try to teach our children. I want you to think about that. What do you have to try to teach your children that it's so hard to teach your children? Share. Share. No, we share. And what happens? A little neighbor boy comes over to play, and the neighbor boy picks up a toy. What does your boy do? Drops the toy he's playing with, runs over and says, I was playing with that. I was playing with that. Right? And the neighbor boy said, okay. So he goes over and picks up something else. Your boy runs over. I was playing with that too. I was playing with that too. Do you realize what God is saying to all of his children? When are you going to grow up? When are you going to grow up? When are you going to become like your father? That's so loved that he gave. You know, I heard a story of my, uh, son Josh and daughter-in-law Hannah told me a while back they have two children Grady who's seven and Willow who's four and they got in the car Hannah picked them up from church and Willow said mommy did you know that there was a woman in the Bible that only had two pennies and she gave both of them to God and Hannah said yeah that's that's a wonderful story and Willow said I want to give something to God So Hannah said, Well, pray and ask the Lord what He wants you to give. And so you could see her. She closed her eyes. Hannah was watching her in the mirror. You know, she closed her eyes. She did like this, and then she said, What? (laughs) (laughs) And then she said, Little baby? No, not little baby. Oh, Betty baby. Oh, yeah, you can have Betty, baby. I don't like her. <laughs> okay, that's cute. That's kids learning about giving. But at some point, you got to grow up. some point, you say, Lord, what do you want me to give? And you say, that's great. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll do. So, we want to develop a generous heart. Here's number four. Develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. Back in Deuteronomy 15, look at verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. Then he says this. Therefore, I command you this thing today. You know what he's saying? I command you to be generous. I'm commanding you. And you know on the authority that I'm commanding you? It's that everything you have came from me. You need to remind yourself every now and then that you are slaves. You know, every now and then I get a reminder. I leaned over to John and to David right before I came up and told him, because it happened to me yesterday. It was hard going to sleep last night. I knew the enemy was trying to attack me too because this series was beginning. But Debbie got an email from a friend of ours we went to high school with, and she said, you know, loved the first conference, watched on the Internet, all this, but hate to bring bad news, but we've lost two more of our class members. She named two guys, both guys I did drugs with. One of the guys I started on drugs. And she, one of the guys died from a drug overdose, and the other guy committed suicide. I'm lying there last night thinking... Thank you, God, for redeeming my life out of that. For redeeming me from that type of a lifestyle. These guys now, 35 years since high school. And still, what a horrible life they must have had for 35 years. Thank you, God. You know, the Lord just reminds me, it's not hard for me to give. You understand? I didn't have anything. I was a slave. You, you didn't have anything either. No matter what you had, you didn't have anything if you didn't have Christ. A while back, a pastor and his wife were, uh, had heard me share our testimony on giving. And in this series, I'll share our testimony on giving. And by God's grace, Debbie and I have been able to give, like many cars to people, we were able to give our first home away Uh, we've just been able to give very extravagantly and we love to do that. And I shared that testimony in the church and we went to dinner with this pastor and his wife and the wife said to Debbie, I have a question for you. And, And both of us knew the question because we've heard it many times. She said, how did you feel when your husband said he wanted to give away your house? And Debbie said, I felt great. I felt great. She said, You have to remember that Robert and I were married before he got saved. And every time he's wanted to give something extravagantly, I think, Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for my new husband. And then the pastor asked her a question she'd never been asked. He said, why do you think that Robert is so generous? And I'm, I'm not trying to set myself up as an example. I know many, many people are very generous. But he said, why do you think that, I mean, he just has given so extravagantly ret- retirement, savings, all these things over the years. Why do you think he's so generous? And a tear came down her cheek and she said, Because he's never gotten over getting saved. He's never forgot where he came from. And he knows that everything we have came from the Lord.
0: I wonder if we'd just bow our heads for a moment. tell by the feel of the, you know, the atmosphere in the room. It's been good. You've enjoyed that. But I also could sense a real challenge that was, I guess, washing over all of us. But before, before we move on to the challenge to all of us, it may be that something of what was mentioned by Pastor Robert, Robert at the end, never forget, forgetting where it came from. And today, you might be, as the Bible described, that you're stuck in your transgressions and sins. Transgressions, those things that you've done wrong. It's not just a mistake, you've will, willfully and willing, willingly done things wrong. The Bible also describes how our lives outside of Christ are in a pit. It uses language like the mud and the mire. We're in like that sinking sand. And the more frantic we are to try and get out, the more weary we become. And we actually go nowhere fast. While every eye is closed and head is bowed, in this atmosphere, because you've heard the heart of the message, for God so loved the world that He gave. I've heard preachers say this, and it's so true, that even if we was the only person that ever lived God would have sent his one and only son and that is so true because he loves us we often have a poor visualization of ourselves and and of God I just want to say to you God is not in the sky distant from us with a big stick he's as close as our breath here today and you feel it you sense it his arms are outstretched towards you in this attitude of prayer is in a moment I'm going to open my eyes for those who want to respond to this prayer that I'm about to pray I want you to just pray this now in your heart dear Lord Jesus I come to you recognize that I'm a sinner that I've done things wrong that I'm in a pit and I can't get out of it by myself But thank you for this morning and for this message that I've heard about Jesus and that Jesus you can break the power of sin and of death over my life I accept you I believe in you I confess you now as my Lord and as my Saviour come into my life and change me may my life be different from this day forward break every chain every addiction every power that has held me Break its power now in Jesus' name. Listen, if you've prayed that prayer this morning, while every eye is closed and head is bowed, I wonder if you just indicate to me. I'm not going to ask you to come out, I'm not going to say, Oh, there's a guy there in a red coat or whatever. It's just to signify to me that you've made a response, you've made a decision. I often say this there's a time to go public, it's not now privately prayed that prayer in your heart just why don't you lift your hand where you are now thank you 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 lots of hands that have gone up Lord we just pray now that whatever you're doing in these hearts and lives I can't quite see who they all are actually but you know them pray Lord Jesus that you would do exactly that a work of salvation in every one of their lives before we move on guys into our final song just keep your eyes closed for a moment because it's all about the heart and over these next few weeks we're going to be addressing stuff and please don't stay away because of what you've heard if you felt it extremely challenging just go with us We just want to set you up to live a blessed life. That's it. There's nothing else, no other agenda. And it starts with our hearts. You say, God, I know that my heart hasn't been as open, as generous, as grateful. In fact, it's been a bit selfish. At times i felt grieved when I've given. Whatever it may be. This is the start. If you say, Christian... That's me. I just need to respond to the Lord. I want you to just lift your hands now to the Lord. Hands all over. Just raise your hands to the Lord. Say, Christian, that's for me. I just need to get it out there. I'm going to go on this journey. I want to do better. Just raise your hand now. Just now. Yeah. So, Father, I just pray over the congregation as well, Lord, that we just go on this journey because we want to set all of our lives up for living a blessed life pray, Lord, that we would give and we get to the point where we give and we enjoy it. And we give not just because you say it, not just because you command it, but because we love to give. May we express you in this world more and more. and May, from Arena Church, may we continue to overflow with great generosity. May it flow from this church. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody say,